Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I just couldn't resist starting this episode with this piece of music. This is Nautilus, and you're listening to Excuse the Mess, a music podcast hosted by me, Ben Corrigan, and I'm joined on this episode by one of my absolute favourite composers, the unstoppable Anna Meredith. feel like although not required I do want to mention that this voiceover is being recorded in self-isolation what a weird time we all live in this is yeah a corona era podcast episode but it's business as usual excuse the mess exploring the minds and music of some phenomenal composers and this episode is a cracker Anna came over a few weeks ago and we recorded hours and hours of conversation and music making there's absolutely tons of it and normally I'd try and slim it down quite a lot but As the whole world seems to be in self-isolation, you might be looking for a very extended podcast with a very entertaining guest, which Anna certainly is. So today I've released four parts all at once. Feel free to jump around and listen at your own pace. They're all quite self-contained, so it doesn't really matter. There's not necessarily a chronology that you need to listen to them all in. The first part, the part that you're listening to now, is a really classic podcast rambly chat. We start off the conversation kind of on track, talking about her live shows, And then it's quickly derailed by her rumbly tummy and we go off on various tangents talking about exercise and making time for that sort of thing. Vegan cakes, we also talk about board games, card games and Anna had just finished playing the board game Pandemic. I've decided to keep it in. This conversation happened before we were all actually experiencing a global pandemic. So just a little trigger warning if someone's having a particularly bad time during this global crisis. But it's light-hearted and maybe we all need a bit of that. So this chat one part is maybe for the more hardcore Anna Meredith fans because of its rambly nature. If you want something a little bit more focused on her brilliant album Fibs, then go to Chat 2, where Anna pulls out names from a hat or a bowl, using that as a springboard for conversation about the album. Also in that part, we talk about her BBC Proms commission, Five Telegrams, and her music for the film Eighth Grade, as well as the Netflix series Living With Yourself. There is an audience questions part, which is pretty self-explanatory. Thank you for anyone that sent in questions. They're all self-contained in that little episode. And then there's the music-making part, where we make a brand new piece of music using nothing but a pesto jar. I hope that you enjoy yourselves listening to this episode. Like I say, listen in chunks. Anna is brilliant, funny, entertaining, and above all, an incredible composer. So there's tons of inspiration, things that you can apply to your own music. I promise you that this is a really valuable insight into her composition process. 
Without further delay, this is episode 17 featuring Anna Meredith. The live show is colossal. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I came to the, the one in London, the Earth Oh, one. great. It was it's good, isn't it? So good, yeah. Thank it's you. It's just a massive, overwhelmingly intense experience. It's quite intense, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think we found it maybe even this set compared to previous sets is really tiring. I don't know if I'm just getting too old, uh-huh. but it's just like... <laughs> the energy is... Yeah, you're like exhausted all by the end. Up. The whole yeah. time. Yeah, you're just on. I, I did notice that Bump, compared to listening to it on the album, mm. is like infinitely more intense because there's so much like physical stuff going right. on. Like both you and Sam are smashing drums and stabs and all these things. I think that's the thing with that because I nearly didn't put that track on the album. I sort of lost confidence in it a bit. And then that made me then worry about playing it live. But actually, it's been going down so well. Yeah. Probably mostly because of people just, you know, love a good smashing stab. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's been really nice because I, I sort of wasn't that sure about that. And that's been nice that that as a live thing is seems to work. And it, also, it's really hard. Multiple click tracks and... In some of the rehearsals, I was just fucking up my... It's not even... It doesn't sound that difficult, but I come in with a drum thing that plays against Sam's drum Yeah, That's my tummy. That's um, a good one. Oh, my, my tummy? Yeah. Oh, I have an unbelievably loud... I'm already eyeing your food up. I have an unbelievably <laughs> loud tummy rumble. I've had, I had my whole life to the degree that at school would have to, like, subtly try to beat exams things. Oh, awful. A nightmare. Yeah. I, you know, I've ruined so many meetings and stuff but you know the first time someone's stomach rumbles you can kind of go ah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. but when it's like <laughs> for hours and hours and end. I, okay so one one thing that i remember once doing this was desperate times so i was at the bbc for a like quite serious meeting and i hadn't eaten and normally i'm someone who like eats shit loads of food because of this issue you know i'm not someone who's like yeah. oh i skip breakfast never yeah. Yeah. um so i was in the meeting for a bit and it happened a few times and then i was like i just need to go to the loo and I basically ran out. It was like a huge open plan office. I was looking for like a vending machine or anything. And I ended up like, couldn't find it. And I found this woman working at her desk. And I was like, okay, you don't know me. And I'm really sorry. This is a ridiculous thing. But I'm in a meeting and my stomach is rumbling. And I'm so hungry. And I can't find any food. Do you know where I could get some food? And she was like, well, you could have this. And she pulled out this like crusty old candy cane. Like a Christmas candy cane. I think I've got one up there. For yeah, you. well, I just basically like, thank you so much. And I like chomped down this like five-year-old candy cane in desperation she's like well the canteen's about 10 minutes walk and I was only meant to be in the loo yeah so um yeah so that was you know that was full commitment we can dive into food whenever you want I'm gonna need to start doing (laughs) so these are such premium snacks I like to treat my guests really premium snacks um my God, Have you had them. these before? No, they look amazing. Yeah, uh, vegan cakes. Wow, so are you vegan or are you I trying doing, to eat less? I, I don't eat meat. Look at these. Um, they're really good. Okay, I'm going like to have them. Because I heard you're vegan right. as much as you can be, which is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I... discovered these. These look really good. Yeah. Do you want one? Go on then. Too early for you. No, this is good. Okay. There you go. Right. Oh, yeah, they're really cute. Let's mm. have a cakey moment. Landed. Mmm. Oh, that's really good. Mm. Oh, yeah. They're nice. Um, Squidgy. My stomach thanks you. Mm. Oh, yeah. They're nice. Um, Squidgy. That's enough of that. This is Bump from the latest album, Fibs. 
So I've been starting with a personal trainer and I've only had like four or five sessions and the amazing thing, and I was meant to go eight this morning and he texted me at seven saying, really sorry I've double booked. Yeah. <laughs> that thing where it's absolutely you, music. You're only like a few so, sessions in, you're already Yeah, I'm already cheering elated to yeah. the cancellation. <laughs> so yeah. That's a good thing to do. Mm. The thought of exercise without someone shouting at me. No. Impossible. Do you do any? No. Nothing at all. A tiny bit of climbing. Oh right, like wow. Like most people that live in London. What, yeah. like a climbing wall? Yeah, yeah, the oh, bouldering cool. the bouldering thing. Mm. It's great, it's quite relaxing, it's quite therapeutic. I wonder if that's, so I have this whole big spiel about skiing. What is great about skiing as opposed to cycling or walking or being in the gym and stuff is that you are on some level shitting yourself. Yeah. You're, you're so scared, the adrenaline or the speed of it, the, the sort of, it's so fast or the line of control is so yeah, thin yeah. that it takes you out of your head in a way that no other stuff does. So for me, it feels like sort of one of the few things I do when I'm just not thinking about work, I'm yeah. not thinking about anything because yeah. I'm scared yes. I'm going to die. That's it. Yeah, you've got to focus solely on that thing, right. not, Mortal not peril. messing it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, Mortal and that, peril. So I sort of feel like it almost needs to be something that extreme to relax. That's exactly so, it. You, yeah. is, that, is that right? Totally. Are you good at that? Are you good at... Not doing work. I'm like all or nothing. For a year, an amazing year, that I look back and think, how did I do it? I somehow saw some infomercial with this guy called Sean T. He's a really nice guy. Like He just okay. senses he's a warm person and I've creepily follow him and stuff and think he's amazing <laughs> but there was one year that I just was doing this thing called T25 which is like a simpler thing of his which you do in your house and it's like a program and you alternate between you know the alpha set of exercises to the beta ones and you know they get they're all horrendous none of them are good yeah. and there's no like waking up and being like yay you know yeah. all of it is oh my god and I just did it every day I think I had like two days off and that, those days I was like flying to China or something it was right like, yeah I did it Christmas Day, I did it, you know, and it was brilliant. I felt amazing and smug and I was like <laughs> one of those insufferable people who was sort of saying to people like, oh, actually exercise, I feel so, you know, like, and, I, and I hate those people. Yeah. Um, but that was me for a very brief time and yeah, and then I kind of lost it. And now it feels like it's impossible. I don't know how I could do that now. It's like yeah. too busy to do something every day, which is probably not true. Um, but that's how it feels. So I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm clinging on my fingertips to sort of, which is partly why I got the personal trainer. Because I thought if there's actually a booked with someone rather than me just saying I'm going to go to the gym. Yes. But basically, no, I'm not very good at stopping work and yeah. relaxing. Or, you know what I really want to do is jigsaws. You've got some jigsaws here. Oh, yes. And that is just like the perfect, that's the kind of thing I always aspire to. It's just like a day where I'm just like pootling, making some like village scene or something with maybe Radio 4 <laughs> in the background. Yeah. That's what I want. But never managed Easily to achievable. We could cancel this and we could do pour drops and sugar mice. I mean, uh, I would absolutely love that. What's this one? Cumbria? Oh, good, just general. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, no, these look great. Oh, you've got Exploding Kittens too. We play that a lot as a band. I know. Have you got the Not Safe for Work version? We do have that one. It's a bit right. too sexy for me. Is it? It's a bit too hot. <laughs> have you got any expansion packs? Um, we've got the original. We've got this. Oh, I haven't right. got any expansion packs. And I was going to re-gift you the Not Safe for Work no. one if you didn't have already have it. Actually, Sam has it. Yeah. So I don't have it. Would and you like it? Because we have two. Why do you have two? Someone bought you um, it. We are three, all oh. in the space of about... Well, I think wow. it was all at Christmas, actually. Well, maybe, because I've lost our... I mean, that feels like far too generous a gift. It's just going to sit there and it's wrapping. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that'd be amazing, because I'm concerned that our like much world-travelled box, I can't find it. So Perfect. this might be Perfect. a new... But I'd recommend the expansions. Okay, yeah. There's two expansions. Um, 
first of which you have the cone of shame, which is fun for about five minutes where someone has to wear like a sort of like a dog collar. Oh, really? Yeah, when they say mess up. And then you kind of don't use that for a bit. But it's got some, oh, it's got some twists. This track from the album Varmints is called Honeyed Words. I've just finished doing Pandemic. It is like the best, I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. Pandemic is a board game itself, which is also great. I mentioned it, and then I had a few people get in touch with it saying like, it's a bit insensitive. I thought, oh fuck. I mean, is it a board, you know, is that bad to play a board game about what? disease? No. Anyway, we'll just say was that they- Was it on Twitter? Yeah. The same, like, they hadn't done it because they felt too close to the bone and that sort of stuff anyway. What? But, um, yeah, so the pandemic itself. One, it's cooperative, and I have to say, playing a cooperative game is so nice. Yeah, yeah. It's such a different thing, you know, all working together. So the game evolves, and you scratch stuff out, and you rip cards up, and things happen, and you do it like through a year, so you have like January, February, March, and you know, each month, new events, new things unfold, and it changes what you've done in the previous month. And if you win the game in the previous month, you move on, but if you lose, you're allowed to play it twice. It has to be a year. Yeah. So you unwrap this like a pack of cards oh, in order okay. and it's like don't go any further until you've till this happens or until oh, it's, wow. it's really intense. Yeah. And quite narrative. Yeah. There's like, um, how many of us are there? There's one, two, three, four, five of us who've just got completely so into it and we you know you, you have characters and they have special abilities and, and we've got like bits of soundtrack for when particular things happen and rituals that we did and we dragged this game <laughs> I was looking at your game saying that it was 15 minutes. I mean this game yeah. says it lasts an hour and our games were like four or five hours each time. Like we just took <laughs> Because of all the fucking yeah. like rituals and like, oh, yeah. and the, the special music that had to be played when such a thing happened. And it's so perilous. And because you, most of the time you lose, like, you lose more than you win, which yeah. is also quite, um, the mechanic of it is really clever. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we just finally got to the end of this year and, yeah, they get, and that's it. We can't play the game again. Yeah. You know, it felt really kind of emotional. And there'd been these big twists, like some, I don't, if you might do it, I won't tell you anything because it's really good. I'm really tempted now. Yeah, it okay. sounds amazing. It is amazing, but you need yeah. to find the right people. Like if you okay. have, like some of the guys in my band 
me and Sam especially, I'd say, like, love a kind of really, like, getting a complicated board game where it's, like, Tom and Maddie, no patience. Sure, because there's a lot of manual reading before. Yeah, there's yeah. unbelievable amounts of manual reading okay. and, like, complicated, you know, as the game evolves, more and more things happen that mean now because of this has happened that, you know, now there's military bases that mean that, that this doesn't happen. It's not like dice rolling, but it's just sort of, it's disease spreading, so it gets harder and harder and harder. It normally comes down to sort of like one card, whether you're going to make it or not. And then we finish this thing and it, it, you feel like you've kind of saved the world or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, it was just like, and it, I love the structure of it. I love the kind of, it's March, we've got to find a time to play March's game, you know, clear an evening, yeah. an afternoon and evening to okay. do it. It's just been, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. So I'm looking for other games that are like that, that are cooperative. Yeah. And this legacy thing, which, you know, again, I had no idea about a year ago, but that is so cool. It feels so different when you think that what you're doing now affects the game next time. You know, you're basically messing up the board and making it harder for yourselves or easier. And, you know, and a bit of it, we thought initially, is this wasteful? You know, this game costs, what, 60 quid or something? Maybe for more, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but actually, you know, we played it. 15 times i think that's not maybe not bad value. I mean, it's amazing value for that's, yeah pretty value yeah maybe it's not even about the game it's about the fact that you have to meet up with the same five people 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah i think if we just said oh we'll just meet up and play some games it just wouldn't happen but the long form thing yeah locks it has you to in. be this month it yeah. has to be yeah it's great yeah playing it with any um lofty composers matt rogers he's amazing and just like he's such a good speaker and so interesting and he was you know he's been writing this opera for actually he said he's been working on the game longer than the opera but <laughs> this opera has also been kind of like you know every time I see him that's kind of I mean he's very sweetly comes to a lot of our gigs but other than that I haven't seen him apart from these game sessions yeah you know and dip into how the opera's going and and Charlie Piper so it's like two uh -huh. people who are in our like Camberwell composers mm, group mm. um that we had years ago I did want to talk to you about mm, that but I was yeah. gonna do it later but let's do yeah, it now sure why segue not? so you set that up how long ago it would be like 2003-ish yeah great idea to build a little community right supporting each other and like I think that there was thing. I mean without sounding too sort of uh, dramatic about it I don't think there was that much of that stuff happening at the time I don't yeah. sense there was that I think, you know, it came from Emily and I, Emily Hall and I had been at University at York together and then we both went to Royal College to do our Masters and in our year was also Mark Bowden and the three of us became really good friends. And Royal College felt like so different to York where York we'd done loads of really practical stuff, loads of playing, we'd run yeah. the new music each in our MC year above me but we'd like both in turn run new music group and organise stuff and then suddenly you get to a conservatory and it's like you are a composer. Yeah. And um yeah, I think there was just a sense of powerlessness about everything and like, you know, mm. what can you how do you get work? Now I feel like I get asked that all the time when I talk to students, how do you get work? But I think at the time even that was felt a bit sort of indelicate. Yeah. You meant to just be solely focusing on your muse. Um <laughs> and then we met Matt Rogers, we did a course at Albrough, Britain Pierce course. And, you know, got really well with him. And I remember there was been some night we were all drunk and we were like, would it be fun to like make a thing where we, um, you know, maybe let's get our friend, new, new friend Chris Mayo involved and put on little gigs. And maybe we'd been done this Albra course where, you know, we'd written music really quickly and, and that had worked quite well and it'd been fun and we'd worked with electronics in a very nominal way. And let's just try and make some kind of platform where we put on really informal gigs and write music really quickly and talk to the audience and explain what's happening and write for our friends or write for ourselves. And I think 
it was so important. I mean, it was definitely for me much more important than anything I learned at college. I mean, certainly those friendships, but even just that sort of idea of one having each other's backs. I think, you know, being one person presenting quickly done, experimental in your own sense, uh, ideas, pieces where you're like just twiddling a volume knob up and down on an amp because you think that might be a cool idea. You know, it's <laughs> really like simple things. But doing it as a group, you kind of validated each other a bit. Yeah. And, you know, we had a radio show, which was an like absolute farce where we just didn't, you know, I don't know, we were just laughing the whole time. It was so unprofessional. Um, <laughs> and yeah, for ages, we just did all these gigs. We all wrote, I wrote pieces in that that are still played. Yeah. That was like Axeman, the spassoon piece I did was yeah. written for that. And that's like probably one of my more played pieces. Um, so I'm a big fan of the like quickly done, churn it out. And, but yeah, definitely, you know, at the time there wasn't any non-classical or there wasn't any, I know it's great to see now there's you know people putting gigs on all over the place. And yeah. that, uh, But maybe yeah, at the time, and I'm not saying that it, no, most people didn't even know we existed, but it, for ourselves it was hugely supportive and it was a lot of fun and it was just nice because otherwise it can be quite isolating yeah and you know it sort of set the foundation for you know relationships and it's you know and it's great we've all gone off and doing yeah. different stuff but we check in with each other in different ways yeah really nice. was it a bit of a launch pad for your careers or was it just to give you a platform to be visible um i don't know i don't know a launch pad i mean it definitely was like in terms of it gave us each, you know, a chance to experiment with stuff. Like, I don't know if I would have gone on to do any electronic music if I hadn't with them mm-hmm. done, like, we did, like, remixes, whatever that meant, in each of each other's pieces using Cool Edit Pro, which was, like, a precursor to, I can't even think, something really, you know, some terrible editing program, right. like, you know. And it was all done so, like, broad brushstrokes and just just do it, it'll be fine, yeah, yeah. it'll be great, oh, sounds great, man, you know, it's, like, really <laughs> that kind of thing. Um... And I don't think most people would have heard of any of us from any of the stuff we did then. But maybe on a personal level, it gave us each just this confidence, I guess, to to go off and to do other stuff, maybe. I think also just take some of the seriousness out of composing. Yeah. You know, the idea that it needs to be this kind of weighty thing. And a lot of it's just tedious pain in the assery. And if you have someone else that you can have a bitch about how much of a dick someone is you know some commissioners being yeah or how awful your piece is going or quite often I for many years have sent stuff to Chris and be like okay I don't know what what should happen next you know what do you think this is Axeman from the C3 days a piece for bassoon distortion pedal and amplifier
because it can be, as you said, like isolating. Mm. Just to be a composer, you can get lost, and yeah. it's good when you're in a uni because you've got a teacher right. and friends that are mm. all sort of doing the same thing, and mm. there's kind of you've got a framework for. Uh, for, for sharing, talking mm -hmm. about things and ideas, but as soon as you leave those mm -hmm. institutions, you're a bit like... You're like guffed out the other end yeah. and kind of just like, good luck with the commissions, <laughs> yeah. you know, and sort of just told that if you're good and interesting enough, things will happen, yeah. which is scary and not really true. Yeah. And yeah, I think just someone to break up the day with, I mean, quite often... You know, you just don't leave the house, do you? And you can be oh, like, yeah. yeah, you know, thinking like, God, I didn't leave the house for three days and I'm still in this like soup splattered jammers. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I really smell. Um, and yeah, just someone to have a coffee with. We all lived in Camberwell um, mm. and that was lovely to have that like physical community and not just, um, I don't think this is the case now, but at the time there was other bonkers stuff like um, at Royal College, there were two postgrad composing courses. There was the composing for screen and the composing concert composing or yeah. it's called composition yeah and they were totally separate we never yeah. had one overlapping lecture Bonkers. or concert we saw those guys in freshers week and they probably rightly thought we were pretentious assholes <laughs> and we probably wrongly thought that they were kind of some kind of sellouts or whatever yeah. with no great creative vision you know and it's so i mean that just seems so yeah. daft now. Yeah, and how would you fix that? Crossing over the departments. Right, exactly. Yeah. And saying it's all music and you know, every you know, composer should learn how to write for screen and you know, or to whatever, you know. So but um I think it felt also that there was a kind of that the okay things to write pieces about were folk music or something mathematical, something scientific, something historical. But definitely, well, definitely not um, for me at that point about pop music or about like personal experience. Both mm. of those things mm -hmm. would feel a bit icky. Yeah. And sort of not what you'd be likely to get your big jammy commission from. Yeah. So that was another good thing about C3s. We ended up calling it all the time because it was too long. Um, was that we, not that we necessarily wrote pieces about any of those things, but just the quickness that you were doing it actually it would have felt too weighty to suddenly write a three minute piece for you know, broken children's xylophones that I remember once that was about fucking, you know, I don't know, like poverty or racism, you know, like yeah, you just, it yeah. had to be quite superficial and so on, or it had yeah. to be quite, um, I remember one awful review we got, like said, like, all starters, no main. And for a while I was like, <laughs> and actually think about it, like, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love a star. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's okay for everything. Not, you know, everything has to be like ponderous and heavy yeah. and have no humor or no, none of that stuff. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So you were saying that the pop music and those things you would avoid Mm. at those times. So... Mm. Is it sort of a, a rebellion or a freedom now at the moment? Mm. Or, or maybe both, or, or neither, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, definitely for a long time, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of pop music. So it's never been like a kind of, um, oh, I'm so tortured by these two, you know, I think quite often people ask me about like, oh, you've got two sides to you. And I don't really say it like that. It's just yeah. all writing. And I see loads of similarities across it all. But yeah, there was definitely some, I remember writing a quite early piece called Flack, which is still something I've done a little bit and I still like. But I remember in that piece thinking, okay, I'm going to see if I can take some of the stuff that I like about like dance music. And it, it's a piece of lots of electronics and I didn't do any electronics. It's all like um, complicated max patches that sound intermediate designed and I just sort of right. said, I'd like it if it did this and they made it happen. Which yeah. Great. But yeah, that piece I remember thinking, it's okay to take some things about pop or electronic music but not others. Like, it was okay to have sort of glitches and, I don't know, what, but not beats or, I don't sure. know. Yeah. Um, so it maybe felt like for ages I was sort of trying to think about how to reference some of that stuff. I think now I have decided that, that's, that I'm not very good at referencing anything. Uh-huh. Like, it's better for me to just be thinking of stuff purely in my own hermetic terms. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't really mind if, you know, so I'm not trying to think about what other music does i'm just trying to indulgently think about what my yeah. own music does it's very hard to reference your music against other music mm. one's own music your music oh oh right thanks uh i mean thanks thank um yeah well it's yeah i mean i think that's just uh it's taken me a really long time to figure out that it's better for me compositionally and actually when you're asking earlier about like do i do the healthy stuff the thing that like composing me is like a badass composing me takes like some of the stuff of real me but gets all the kind of good bits okay like it's i'm decisive know exactly what to do i'm like no bullshit push for the strongest ideas and i somehow just know what to do in a way that normal me doesn't okay and you once the stuff's written i'll have all the usual anxieties about whether it's Uh any good and who cares and what am i doing in my life and all that (laughs) stuff but to create those conditions where i'm able to be like that i have to do some other stuff like not listen to any music because it just would mess with that confidence yeah or not think about reference points too much just get into the bunker of what I need to do to make it good so um I think I now know what I need to do to write at least music on my own terms yeah not maybe say it work for anybody else but it's taken me a really long time to figure out that you know going to an art gallery is not going to help me mm-hmm. wandering mm-hmm. wistfully around snake mountains yeah. looking at reeds yeah. is not going to help me yeah you know um I need like a deadline yeah and um <laughs> Uh, a bit and then some internally generated uh, fear internally generated yeah. fear right. quite often I used well, yeah. to call Chris Mayo and just say like 
okay, okay, I need the fear. And he would just like bellow statements at me like, you're going to let everybody down. <laughs> you know, people are going to, if you don't do this now, you know, it's going to, you're going to be such a disappointment. And eventually I'd be like, okay, 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 I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. You know? And he would just say awful things until <laughs> I got, I've got the, I've got the, I've got it, I've got it. Back to the computer. Yeah. Here yeah. We go. <laughs> yeah, fear on tap. Here's a little extract of Flack, performed by London Symphonietta, conducted by Ryan Wigglesworth, electronics by Sound Intermedia. It was Fib's um, hibernation period then, putting that album together? Yeah, I think all of these albums and EPs have been like... I mean, one, they take so much longer than I could have ever yeah. dreamed possible. Well, there's so many layers, it seems, to mm. all of this stuff and, and intricate writing. But, um, yeah, how long does it take? How long did Fib's take? Um, so, I think there were like a few years ago, I had like a little burst... I think I had a little residency at... I did a residency at ACCA, which is... Um, Oh, I'm going to get the university wrong. University, the one that's in Brighton. Um, and we, uh, they have a, a performing arts centre and they very kindly gave me like a two-week residency. So I like stayed in Hall's residence and I was there on my own for like 10 days and the band came out for four or something. And in between those periods, I've done a lot of like singing into my phone and I've got a lot of like terrible, like kind of squeaky, uh, you know, okay. things where I'm like singing little what might be germs of ideas mm. but nothing and I worked up in that ACA time you know and you're also aware of wasting anybody else's time you don't want to do that but I'd like worked up a few starting points I can remember things now like what went on to become Inhale Exhale I had all those chord progressions and I had that bass line but it was like about a quarter of the speed and I right, sort of think okay. I, you know I had this idea of this like quite chunky you know, I had that, and then you know, obviously, at some other point, I thought, oh, it just should just be a lot faster, and yeah. figured that. And then you know, so I did that, and then I think after that, at some point, I was asked to do this big proms piece, and then asked to do a film soundtrack, and so it just kept getting pushed. And I definitely, I'm not the kind of person who can like dip into it, it's like all in. You want to just focus, yeah. Right. So it took then till end of 2018 to probably like yeah November I've got kind of all kinds of schedules looking at the day I found a book with all these like schedules uh, written drafts by here I think I call them <laughs> nubbins I had this idea of nubbins <laughs> that I sent the band that are like I think this is something and I was involving them a lot more than I have yeah. in the past in the liner notes you say parts written with yeah each of the players yeah with a bit of was it uh, Sam and Jack yeah extra yeah bit of input as well yeah all of the guys individually would you know work on the stuff with them but yeah Sam and Jack especially just so much time helping me just like the annoying details which I'm not very good at I, you know at some point I'm like oh it's probably fine and they are quite good at you know saying like no come on let's uh, whatever I don't know it needs this chord is right or something and yeah just tipping it pushing it. and then actually to be honest beyond the composing the Jack did all the sound recording and editing which was like an insanely right. huge job and then you know we mixed with Marta Salonia but um yeah they've had done so much work and you know start the whole sketches like those graphic sketches thing that mm. I start with but yeah it's been brilliant I think when it's people who know what you want and ultimately very sweetly they will let me always have the final say and mm -hmm. there's no like you know they'll express a strong opinion and I you know Sam can be really decisive and like, I think it should do this but um if I 
some you know if like yeah. badass dickhead me knows at some <laughs> level that's not right yeah I'll, still push it through well if you're trying to choose between a twix and a yorkie and you right. flip a coin hey the coin tells you which mm. one you actually truly right. want interesting yes great analogy so yeah having a decisive sam is mm. your coin definitely it's been great to have that to bounce off and again remove some of that isolation and they're both really well all four of them are really really musical and you know we've been working together for such a long time i've been working with sam for such a long time yeah. now that's a really important relationship and i've sent him a lot of five telegrams and stuff as well so mm. he's become kind of part of my and jack as well part of my like uh, little help me out family this is a favorite from the album fibs it's called moon moons featuring maddie cutter on cello there's a great compositional nugget revealed by anna in the music making episode another reason to go and check that out if you haven't already An interesting part of Anna's compositional process is drawing a map that represents each piece at quite an early stage in composition. I first did it like when I was a student, definitely not saying it's like an original idea or anything. It just um I had I had a composition lesson with my teacher at the time who was David Sawyer. Some piece was due in like two days' time and I was in a real state and I hadn't finished it and I was saying, Oh god, I don't you know, I don't know what this piece should do and he understandably got quite pissed off or was getting like frustrated with my indecisive you know and he's like okay just sing me this piece yeah and and then flute and as i was singing he was sort of drawing kind of what i was singing and then i'd say things like and then here it's building up you know i was just singing shit and he was sort of drawing a shape then he got to the end he's like see you know what it should be and here it is and like had to be this like you know probably just like a you know arch shape or whatever yeah and i remember thinking like clinging onto this thing like the treasure map (laughs) found it and since then it's just felt like a way i mean i don't have the well one i really like pacing i think pacing and getting 
the context of your ideas right is so important. You are quite masterful. At Thank that. you. Yeah. Thank you. I spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. Um, and also, it's doing yourself a service. If you've got a good idea, you want to set it up in the best possible like musical way. Mm. And I'm not someone who, if I noodled around with something, I'm never going to come up with a good idea. I don't have that kind of like Jack is the kind of guitar player who can like you know immediately find the right chords for stuff. And, yeah. And you know, and I don't have that connection with an instrument that mm. means I can do that so you know it's all just in my head or singing on a phone or whatever you know it's not um there's no sort of way that I speak through an instrument um, yeah, so yeah. yeah and this map just it's a way to just to plan it and it's a security thing as well that you can have this thing on your wall that you can just keep looking at and feeling like it's okay I know what I'm doing yeah. I know where this is heading and I know what it needs to do and so my whole process mm. would be that I would decide what it is I'm trying to do in a very general sense I guess if it's an orchestral thing or a commission thing it might be a bit different or a thing for a film but if it was an out al- if it's like could be anything I would start to set some parameters of what it you know high energy um thing you know verse choruses or my vocal or you know whatever it might be just some general things that already narrow down a bit maybe I've then already got a little thing I've sung on my phone and I'm starting to sort of almost audition that idea in my own head and think, does it have legs to do this kind of shape? What kind of mm-hmm. shape does it lend itself to? And then I'll draw like a timeline, like a horizontal line, and then draw these normally basically builds, um, but these like shapes of what the material might do. Normally it's not much musical detail. It's things like build and cut and stab and switch section or change of feel here and... And then sometimes I'll then move on to a more detailed kind of mood board on sometimes a bit of manuscript, where again I draw that shape, but it becomes a little bit more. Maybe this is the chord that will come here, and it'll just, you know, might have an arrow with a chord, or it might be here's a rhythm that might happen here. And then I'll go to Sibelius and put in like a billion empty bars and just put in these bookmarks of the things that I do know. Right. And then kind of fill in the gaps, basically. It's amazing. Mm. Uh, it's not it's really time-consuming. It's really probably stupid. It's brilliant. Yeah. I'm stealing it. Oh. And everyone should steal it. Everyone should steal it. I just can't understand people who just start at the beginning. A thing I always end up saying to students is, or in some kind of crap, patronising way, is that if you've got, if you're telling a story to your friends and there's some punchline or some reveal or something happens, mm-hmm. you set it up right. You sort yeah. of, you, you know, you're building the tension or you're kind of catching, you know, and then it's like, oh my God, and that, you know, you, you, all of us prepare and contextualise stuff all the time. Yeah. And it's so important for good drama. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got a really beautiful thing, do you want it to feel like it creeps out of a shell, like a baby bird, or is it like it comes out of a big dark cloud and then it feels even more beautiful because of the gnarly briar that you've Uh scratched your way through. So I think it's like just working out how to make your ideas as strong in the way that you want them to be as possible, you know, and sometimes that that doesn't always have to be these binary extremes. It doesn't have to be that it's dark to sound light, but it could Mm. just be that you've got something that's very low and you present a murky thing so that something lighter can sit on top. And I, I think just that clarity of or transparency of intention and of musical ideas has been useful for me in almost everything. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm trying to always think, you know, is it clear what the music is doing now? Yeah. Is it clear where it's heading? And I like it to be yeah. clear. And even if you then pull the rug from under people yeah. and switch direction, and sometimes you pay off where you're building to or where you're heading and sometimes you yeah. don't. But mm-hmm. I think the way to have that power, the way to be able to change direction or give people the payoff is to take them with you. Yeah. And if you aren't able to create, to make that journey 
clear enough, then you won't be able to do that. There's so many reveals in your music. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's yeah, fun to do, right? Being in an audience, mm. particularly when it comes to like meter stuff as well, mm-hmm. watching them try to decide where on earth to bob their head <laughs> and all of this stuff. And I love it. And then you let them have it for four bars or whatever, mm. and then you know it's mm. it's somewhere else. It's amazing. Yeah, there's just so many illusions going on. In it's funny because I don't feel like I'm trying to be tricksy. Like I'm not even really that kind of mathematically good you know I quite often have to call Chris every time he's like is this the call where you tell me about metric modulation thing I'm like yes sorry can you explain <laughs> it one more time and you know a lot of stuff happens quite instinctively that I like Nautilus I really remember this moment of that come up with this rising bass line I was singing it to myself on a beach I was on some family holiday and I was just like singing and I was like pacing around the beach and then I just noticed that my feet were moving in a different time to oh, as I was really? singing it and I was like dum 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 and I was like oh right so it's not like I set out to write something that could go in two feels that's so, pretty cool yeah and so quite often that was what will happen that I will be singing an idea around to myself or imagining it and I'll be trying to think about how a different pulse could feel across it rather than anything setting out to do it because yeah. if I try and start with the maths my ideas are never as strong. I mean, it's abundant, though, all of that polyrhythms and whatnot in your music. So mm. it's interesting that it's coming from just a kind of uh, a natural place as well, mm. rather than science and numbers yeah, and I think whatnot. So. It's I think, brilliant. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I think it's... I, I, li- I like stuff that has possible change of the feel, but I also don't want it to feel alienating. And if there is anything that is a little bit hiccupy in terms of, you know, maybe there's an 11 or something that has a little... I want it to feel natural and still part of the music and not you know, like, oh, what's happening now? I'll try and make sure that there's a riff or a something that feels natural in that time yeah. to justify it. Okay, hitting you with another dose of Nautilus so you can hear this really rock and roll rhythmic reveal. And yeah, there are a lot of people, you know, I can see people, you know, there's quite a lot of people like conducting away <laughs> or counting on fingers and stuff. And yeah. I kind of enjoy that, but I also hope that it just doesn't matter. You know, I'm yeah. happy for people to just, you know, I'm sort of like sort of half nodding and having to do little like bobs to myself to kind of keep um, 
yes, as long as it feels natural and not, uh, you know, I always get quite upset when I've had, well, I try and not read that much stuff of this now, not often succeed, but I've had reviews in the past of stuff that said, oh, it's just like so academic or it's so pretentious or it's so, you know, whatever. It's not designed with real, and I, and I feel stuff is written with such yeah. heart, you know, or such. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a sonic version of you, it mm. seems, because your personality on stage is the the host of the evening right it just matches so well chatting to yeah some friends who came to that gig and they were chatting about being yourself on stage and i and i, yeah, I don't feel i could do anything else I, and i think the juxtaposition of like quite intense committed thing within like a human you know and i don't think about what i'm going to say it just like rambles yeah. out and some of it's quite misjudged or just like what the fuck has come out of my mouth but I would feel really weird to be like not engaging head down looking at a bunch of wires or even just you know when I very first started doing the stuff it was just me and a laptop and a few gigs like that and then built up from there but you know partly a confidence thing that I didn't you know I felt like I didn't have a clue I was doing but yeah uh, I thought that's what you did with electronic music and I'd seen other people performing with you know mixers and synths and modules and you know <laughs> and I thought that's the only way you can do it yeah it's yeah. taken me a really long time well, again to find what I want to do which is turns out it's like to smash the shit out of some drums <laughs> and honk my clarinet yeah. and not really worry about the electronics that much yeah <laughs> and 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 decide also that I don't really think that anybody else cares about that either yeah I thought people would really care if you weren't live looping shit or live you know, I'm doing little bits, but yeah. I'm not much. I love um, it. Yeah, my recent thinking about that stuff is like, mm. you made it. The person on stage made this. That is enough right. to take ownership of whatever's happening on stage. Mm. But a lot of people yeah. go and see bands. Maybe they've got tons of gear and you can't see what they're doing. And who, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. You're just there. I feel like there's enough happening on stage with yeah. people playing their artists off, yeah. including me. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm less talented than the rest, but, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> We're all, like, working really hard. It's yeah. not like lazy aloof swagger yeah. yeah and it's also just that connection with people i think it's yeah. just that sort of i don't want to come on and sort of head down and no thanks to anybody or yeah. no acknowledging that this whole yeah. thing is such an honor well that's why it's really refreshing particularly in the electronic sense mm. those artists like the ones you're talking about which are just sort of moody and mm. their and, and their music itself has a dark kind of right. sunken vibe about it all Yours is just the complete opposite to that. Mm. And it's, um, yeah, it's lively and, and joyous and, yeah. yeah, just vibrant. And there's not that much stuff out there like it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's, you know, I it's a lot of fun to play. Yeah. And I like playing with these people. And, you know, not every track is, like, goofy and silly. And, you know, some of them you have to get into the sort of, like, mood of it. And, you know, some of them feel quite powerful. And you feel like you're kind of riding this wave. And it's really exciting in a sort of not billions of notes, you know, running away with themselves way. But... Yeah, seriousness doesn't feel I don't, it doesn't feel natural. You know, I take writing the music very, very seriously. There's a, definitely a protection in not acknowledging people. Like, if you can just like, you know, and also I don't think of something like Ollie's music. I don't know if he, that would work if he was suddenly, to, you know, he's creating a kind of atmosphere. It's quite an unusual atmosphere, and the sounds he's making. I don't know if breaking that to like goof on about whatever would be right. It wouldn't be fitting. No, no not at all. With Ollie's music, I think he wants it to be like this big block experience that mm-hmm. just flows between things yeah whereas yeah you're kind of punctuating it all with mm. like some of the likeness that's reflected in the music yeah i, guess. I don't know but and also the tracks you know i don't i i think the albums sit together as a whole but 
the you know the tracks themselves are quite self-contained and you need to stop and take a breather and then we spend a lot of time thinking about the set orders and Sam's actually really good at that he's like kind of very good at thinking about pacing of stuff and the first gig we did Leeds it was far too long that we had it was like an hour and a half of playing it was exhausting and and you know on this tour yeah and you felt the audience like start to you know they were so up for it it's one of our nicest audiences but you felt like they were just like exhausted Uh about three quarters of the way through so you know we kept rethinking it and shooking about a bit and now we're trying to think about the states and whether you have to rethink for that it'll be smaller smaller audiences smaller venues does that you need to change anything probably not but um yeah that kind of stuff yeah um just to go back to the quite a little bit back mm. thought that occurred to me yeah. you were saying that people or a reviewer accused you of being pretentious right do you think that they would have said that if you hadn't have had so much time as a classical composer um i don't know probably not i think you're yeah i mean i've definitely at some point had a piece same piece or lock it was done once at a band set and then played as part of like something in the parcel room the next night and I think there were two reviews, consecutive nights, and one of which was like, like, what is this alienating, experimental, abstract, you know, inaccessible, um, all that. And then the next night was like repetitive, unimaginative, not quite unimaginative, but it was it was derogatory about yeah. the sort of the poppiness of, or the ease of it. And so, you know, yeah. that's exactly okay. the same piece. And so you cannot control other people's stuff, but definitely the fact that, yeah, I've got classical training, or, you know, I find consistently a thing that just because there's like a cello yeah. and a tuba in the band that people automatically are like, well, you know, that alienates some people before you've even played a note. Yeah. Yeah. Or they want to, the other thing that always happens is people want to put us in a church and seated church gig. <laughs> and I spend my life kind of saying, no, we want standing. Tell them that you're a Satanist. Yes, that would do yeah. it. Have you seen that documentary, Hail Satan? No. I recommend it highly. It's incredible. Hail Satan. Yeah. It's an American thing. Satanists are actually more of a political movement than actually worshipping Satan. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. It's amazing. And they're like super liberal. Really? Like LGBTQ, all for it. And like challenging the government on like government and religion should be separate, right. should be more secular. Yeah. Yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant it's documentary. Yes. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Fucking amazing. Okay, I'm going to watch that. Check like it out. Documentary. I'm busy watching Cheer. Oh, I started that yesterday. I was talking oh, about cheerleading. Any yeah. good? Yeah, I mean, I love that sort of shit, but okay. um, yeah, it's like brutal. I mean, I've only watched one episode last night, but it was great. Is it brutal just the training of it, you mean? Yeah, yeah and it's okay. like, and also this is a sort of heartbreaking thing. Actually, reminds me a little bit of watching the NYO National Youth Orchestra. Someone was saying, this guy like started crying when he was saying it. He was saying like... You know, it's such an extreme sport. It's like gymnastics, you know, it's so virtuosic. It's not like yeah. waving pom-poms at the side. It's like serious injury, spectacular. It's like circus plus gymnastics plus dance. And there's these, cha- you know, and it's all, I've only watched one episode, but it's all gearing towards this big national championships that everyone works at Arsenal for. And it's all at college level. But he was saying that there's no professional thing to graduate ah, to. Right. Like, you know, it's not like you go on to, like the cheerleaders with the, American football teams are more pom-pom waving sexy yeah. dance routines so this sort of like super gymnastic flipping people up onto big onto each other's shoulders sort of gym- yeah. circus stuff is exclusive to this college thing and he was saying you know people just the idea that this is the last time you'll do it and that kind of feeling of this is it and you know I kind of feel like watching NYO it's like you know and when I used to teach on the course so I kind of spent a lot of time on them but yeah just watching this thing thinking 
this is it, guys. You know, you'll never play in an orchestra like this again. You know, you're teenagers yeah. and you might become professional musicians, but there's something special about this time. And if you know that, you know that, you know, for watching these cheerleaders, like, that you'll never, that's it for you. It's quite heartbreaking. I don't highlight it for the poor people at NYA. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I don't, know. I don't even yeah. know what you, how you'd acknowledge it. I think you don't, because at that point you're thinking, oh, I'm 17 or I'm 18, I've yeah. got a great glorious career of uh-huh. orchestral music ahead of you, but yeah. there's something, the joy in that orchestra playing that I don't see in a lot of professional orchestras. Yeah, yeah. Um, or an energy that, you know, because it's all charged, rich with hormones and you yeah. know, fancy each other. And, you know, and like, I guess the magic is still there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a thing with, I think less and less, but certainly with some orchestras that magic is not cool in an orchestra mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. like the cool thing is to rock up and like what we're doing today yeah or you know yeah. go for a few beers before whatever yeah. you know and that sort of isn't that weird that indifference and yeah. apathy and like oh what new music bullshit is you know that sort of thing which no wonder like tough being a composer and that you don't definitely don't feel that anyone wants to be doing I definitely i remember a moment for me a really clear moment of when i started doing electronics where start thinking okay I'm going to do something for myself where I was standing taking a bow for what was kind of quite a big piece for me at the time and looking forwards and looking at this audience giving me like half-ass claps because they just were just going to get through this thing because El Garcello concerto was coming up right, yeah. and then turning around and the audience didn't give a shit either I'm sorry orchestra, uh, orchestra. yeah ah. I'm thinking like who what am I doing yeah you know this is like the I always have this idea of um this equation of like in to out the in for orchestral music, the amount of work you have to put in yeah. to, versus what, you know, most things aren't repeated, aren't broadcast, played once. I find it very hard to justify what time you're going to spend. And then I think also thinking, you know, when I see friends labouring over details of like, oh, this thing just wasn't working. And a bit of me kind of thinks like, it's probably good enough. Yes. You know, for this one performance this piece is going to get. You know, I definitely have in the past thought, you know, if this piece is just going to be played once, I'll probably get away with that, like, lazy gesture. I hope you enjoyed that slightly more rambly chat. What's really nice is that Anna's just totally honest all of the time and I think that's what makes her a really brilliant podcast guest and somebody in the music world to look up to and take their advice on board. I've been trying to get Anna onto the podcast for a really long time and I cannot tell you how happy I am that it finally happened. I really wanted to say a big thank you to a couple of people that vouched for my podcast. Emily Hall, being the third guest that was ever on Excuse the Mess, and a very close friend of Anna's. Also Tom and Sam from her band, and Simon, who is her uber-talented sound engineer. Whilst I'm doing the thanks, thanks to Arts Council England, PRS Foundation, and Isotope Audio for supporting this podcast, and thanks to Acast for hosting it. If you know what's good for you, follow Anna on social media. Her handle's on Instagram and Twitter, Anna H. Meredith. You can visit her website, annameredith.com. Follow Excuse the Mess ETM Podcast on Instagram and ETM Pod on Twitter. Visit the Excuse the Mess website to see lots of brilliant pictures from the day. Don't forget to listen to the music making part where we use a pesto jar and nothing else to make a brand new piece of music. The track that I'm babbling all over the top of is called Taken and that's taken from her album Varmints. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are up for listening to the other installments of Anna's Excuse the Mess appearance. Last thing, please do leave a review and rate this podcast on your podcast apps. Subscribe to it and share it with your friends. Tweet about it. 
It's all great stuff, no wrong answers, and it is hugely appreciated and helps the podcast reach more people. That's all from me. Thanks so much for listening, and do look after yourselves. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.